Millennials are ruining the world. An exennial perspective. Hey everyone, welcome back for the season finale of Millennials are Ruining the World? Question mark An exennial perspective. Real conversations bridging the gap between generations X and Y. I'm not woke, but I'm awake. My final guest of the season today is an accountress, which is an accountant for Sirius XM Radio and an actress slash singer on the side. She became a member of Actors' Equity in 2013 when she performed in the off-Broadway production of Hereafter Musical. She also made her solo cabaret debut, The Story Goes On, in September 2018, which told the story of her grandparents' immigration to America after both surviving the Holocaust, and I was on piano for that show, which was, of course, at Don't Tell Mama. Uh, she resides in Jersey City with her husband, with the capital H, who is a mensch, an adorable 19-month-old daughter who seems to already be training to be a thespian. She can cry and laugh within a minute of each other. So can I please welcome Eileen Grossman-Lester. What's up? Hey, thanks for having me. Oh, it's exciting. I'm always like, please welcome, as if there's an, an live audience, because that's <laughs> even Woo! like... Even when I was doing all the virtual cabaret, I'd be like, please welcome. And then there, there'd be these emojis. <laughs> Silence and, and crickets. It would be a lot of emojis about 15 seconds later because there was always a delay. <laughs> and then I would get comments to things I said 15 seconds ago and be like, oh, okay. Yeah, I will comment on this. It's, it was a lot. It was a lot. I, I'm very excited to be back in person. It's certainly, uh, you know, something we took for granted, I think. Oh yeah, I think we're all ready to get back to some. We're all going to be awkward though, don't you think? Like we're all going to have to know how to be in person together. Well, like, I, I have started. Uh, you know, I've been vaccinated for a while now, so yeah, I have been hanging out with people. But at first, you know, the first time I had dinner with Celia, I was like, uh, "You're here, not on like, my this phone. Is weird. Why am <laughs> yeah, I? Like, what do we do?" You? And then I wouldn't yeah. hug anyone until they also had been vaccinated plus two weeks. So right. I was like, no, can't hug you yet. And then when I'm I almost at my two weeks. Yeah, when I finally can hug people, I was like, this is weird. I haven't <laughs> hugged anyone <laughs> except for Emmy in a really long time. Aww. Wow. I know, like when I had my first friend over in the apartment, it was like, Snee was like, what, what's going on? Meow, meow, meow. Why is there someone here in this yeah, apartment? Yeah, the animals are like, what? We've been hogging you for this whole year. Like, what are other people coming in? What's happening? Cool. What's happening? I started going out a lot more. And he gives yeah. me the eye, like, <laughs> Excuse what? me, where are you going? Why, why aren't you hanging out with me all day long? Like, what? 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 Yeah. <laughs> uh, the life of a cat. Uh, <laughs> all right. So before we get to our topic today, which is a very exciting topic, I do, of course, ask everybody the first introductory question. How did mm -hmm. we meet? So, Eileen, how did we meet? All right. So Seth and I, well, I actually got a recommendation to do his cabaret from um, like a mutual Facebook friend, Michael Santora. So my singing teacher at the time told her to like reach out to him, find out who does cabarets that don't tell mama. But then we found out later, like as we were going through the process of the, my first cabaret with you, that we had a very mutual friend, Carrie, who I like went to middle school and high school with and you did shows with. Yeah, I did theater with her in New Jersey. Yeah. 
in the nine, the late nineties. Don't want to age myself too much. It was, <laughs> I think it was 99. So it, it wasn't the early nineties with Carrie. So that took our friendship to like beyond our cabaret relationship. And we've been friends ever since. I know it turns out we were both at her birthday party when she was wearing oh, that gold yeah. dress. <laughs> yeah, I, I think she was well. taking Polaroids. I think that yeah, was back yeah. in her Polaroid phase. And we didn't say a word to each other. We, I was just like all clicky with my high school friends. Yeah, no, I didn't talk to any on. of her high school friends. Yeah. Except that guy who ended up like throwing up in her apartment. Oh, I remember that. That was not a high school friend. That was like someone visiting her or something. Oh, yeah. I don't. Yeah. I just remember awkward, awkward. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember his name. So it's just as Me well. Neither. He probably doesn't listen to this podcast. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it's probably always great to not use real names when it's a yeah. not flattering. That's true. Yeah. That was a, that was a long time ago. Uh, I don't even know if I was living in the city yet. I might have just been like visiting for the weekend. No, I think I was. No, I was. So at least 10 years ago. Sunrise, sunset. <laughs> sunrise. That's a really good segue to Judy. Yes. <laughs> you know, this is my 39th episode and I have gotten good at it. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> that was good. That was good. Uh, so our topic today is being Jewish. Uh, mm-hmm. So Eileen, what does being Jewish mean to you? So being Jewish means a lot to me. Um, You know, we talked about my cabaret that I did back in 2018. The whole topic was about my grandparents who immigrated to America after both surviving the Holocaust. So I have just grown up with that always in my mind. And um, it's, you know, religion wise, I was actually more religious when I was going to Hebrew school and I was more dedicated to it. Like I remember Passover, like I had a pretzel by accident. I was like, oh my God, what did I do? And now I'm like, (laughs) I do it for like two days. And then I'm like, yeah, I'm bright again. Like, you know, two days more than I do it. (laughs) So I would say I'm more like culturally Jewish now. But they call it Jew-ish. Jew-ish, exactly. (laughs) Like we go to, and now, you know, we used to go to Yom Kippur Rosh Hashanah services. Like that's kind of like, you know, like you do your, you're once a year at temple, but now with the COVID, it's like, so I haven't been to temple in so long. So I feel kind of bad I, I never that, but... went to temple. I'm less Jewish, I think, than you. But I agree with that. I also, of course, had grandparents uh, from the Holocaust who were survivors. And mm-hmm. it's just really was drilled into me, I think, at a young exactly. age. Like, you can't trust non-Jewish people. Like, uh, that was just drilled into me. Like, Jews are the only people you can trust. Oh, and that was so us, drilled into me. That's fascinating. Uh, that was drilled into me. Really? Uh, yeah, one hundred percent. You have to marry a Jew. Well, that was course, drilled into me. <laughs> of course, I didn't do. Uh, but <laughs> you know, it, it was a lot of like, you know, anyone can turn at you at any time. Paranoia, hmm. but rightfully so. Right. And I'm I'm sure you know my biological grandfather was actually shot. He ran a grocery store, and then he was shot uh, in 1972. Uh, so the I the person I thought of as my grandfather was actually my step grandfather, but he was also a hug. He wasn't in the camps. Uh, my step grandfather actually, with his brother, took 120 children out of Europe and like walked all the way to Israel. Wow. Right? Well, maybe they probably took a bus at some point too. But they mm-hmm. did like a. I was going to say commuting. That's not the word for it. Oh, no. <laughs> Commute is a lovely little, you know. They commuted to Israel yeah. and were home by supper. No, yeah. and so when they visited, uh, my grandmother and my step-grandmother, when they visited Israel, uh, like in the 90s or 2000s, uh, there was a dinner with all 120 of the kids and their family, and they were only alive because of him, and it was very wow. moving. 
Yeah, there's so I many touching moving. stories. I wasn't actually there. My grandmother was um, hit in an addict uh, by a non-Jewish woman. So, you know, I, we always wanted to know, like, who was that woman? We want to find her, you know, her family's somewhere out there. I would love to just be like, thank you so much. Like, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for that woman's bravery. So it's incredible, these stories that come out of their generation. It's uh, my grandmother, um, she didn't really talk about it much. She didn't like to talk about it, but she did come to my third grade class. And back then we didn't have iPhones. Like I, I don't have the recording. I wish I like her whole story she told and I was too young to really comprehend it. But, you know, so I have bits and pieces of the story, but I really would have loved to hear her whole account of it. Um, but yeah, that was like, she really, you know, she was approached by Spielberg to tell her story and she never, oh, yeah, my never grandmother to do did it. that. Oh, yeah. my grandmother did it. I mean, maybe that's where I get my being a, a ham from, but uh, <laughs> my grandmother, uh, my, according to my father, they didn't really talk about it at all when they were growing up. And then like at some point when they were in their 50s, all of a sudden they started saying, we just thought it's time to talk about this so it doesn't happen again. And my grandmother went everywhere. I don't know, she did talks everywhere, high schools, temples, yeah. uh, Hebrew schools. And she did a big one at, at, at Kane University. So we have a lot of uh, footage. There was, one is online, they put online. There's a good long hour interview and we, uh, there. I don't know why, but some guy, like right before they died, some documentarian decided he wanted to record their stories. So mm -hmm. we have nine hours of interviews of both of them. Wow. And it's a lot. It's a lot to listen to. And, right. you know, I'm working on a project about my grandmother's experience. So I have the full recording. Uh, in my iTunes, it's like an hour and a half chunks, and I always put my iTunes on shuffle. So every so often, my grandmother comes, comes on well, talking about the camps or something, and I'm like, I don't need to listen I to this. I can't do this right now. I have a hard time just watching any of the movies or shows or anything about it. I just start bawling immediately. So like, I even Schindler's List, like I think maybe I watched it in Hebrew school, but I haven't watched it since. My husband's always like, we should watch it. And I'm just like, I can't, I can't do it. Like, That I'm reminds scared. me of the Seinfeld episode when I they know. were making out during <laughs> You're it. You're making out during <laughs> Schindler's List. But, uh, oh no, my, my grandmother would totally, and then she was, when she couldn't get out of her hospital bed, she was still Skyping in to various places to tell her story. And so wow. I, I promised her, you know, uh, that I would keep it alive. And, uh, but no, I, I did a tribute speech at Auschwitz, which of course you can see on my YouTube channel. Uh, and I, I lost it. And I even say in the speech, I don't know how she, she would just say this and she would just right. somehow compartmentalize everything. And I was like, we also have a recording of them teaching us how to make lakas. And Aww. my grandmother was so trained that she was like, my name is Marge Pell and I'm a Haga survivor. And she just started going into her life story. And I'm like, no, this is literally just for our family making right. lakas. You, right? don't to, yeah. you don't have to, you don't have to really. So formal. Be, she but was maybe, used to you know, when my nephew and niece are older, we can show them the laka video because we all have a copy of it on, on Aww. DVD. <laughs> DVD. I think I have it on my computer too, but <laughs> I had all this extra footage and I, I, my computer can't handle too much video. I think it was my old computer. I think I deleted a lot of the extra, but I put it all on a DVD for my sister. So at least we have the old fashioned technology. Nice. That's crazy. And actually 
my uncle got all this old reel-to-reel, I think it was, footage, video footage. Maybe it's not reel-to-reel. Maybe it is reel-to-reel. I don't know. It, it was real. I could tell you that. Uh, and he put it all on a DVD from, from my father's bar mitzvah. There's no sound. Oh it's just <laughs> video. And so my uncle put in klezmer music. Oh. So it's just like random klezmer music. And you can see everyone who was at my dad's bar mitzvah. That's cute. I think um, also Judaism to me is like food. <laughs> oh, I love You were saying the lakas, like, oh my God, my grandma and my mom are amazing cooks. Cooks, um, like the potato lakas, the pierogies, the, what is it? Um, Oh, I can't think of the one I'm thinking of right now, but um, oh my God, like her cooking was unbelievable. Kugel? Oh, Kugel too, but there was this like cabbage, cabbage, uh, stuffed cabbage. Oh, I cabbage. don't eat cabbage. Okay, but stuffed cabbage, her, it was so good. I don't, she made it good. Like it's. I believe it. My grandmother yeah. would make chocolate cake as well, chocolate roll cake. So like my the rugula? No, it's like there's chocolate in the center of the cake. Oh, yes, 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 yes. yes I know I'm showing you, but none of yeah, the Yeah, I'm sorry, guys. Yeah. See it. It's okay. They can, uh, we can find a picture. Write me, I'll send yeah. you a picture. But my <laughs> sister and brother-in-law, and by that, I think I mean my brother-in-law, because I, my, he's the cook in that family. Uh, but I make glockas. I make glockas better than anyone else in my family, because I, I have actually kind of like them out of the box. <laughs> I gotta be honest. I feel oh, like really? these are better out of the box. Manischewitz box glockas are so good. No, no, no. You, you've never tasted my lakas that I make with All my right, grandmother's Maybe we should have a, yeah, we should have a cook-off. We, ha- we could have a cook-off next Hanukkah. Yeah. Everyone brings their lakas. That might be fun. I make yeah, lakas for the first time in my apartment. Usually I make them at my parents, but of course we didn't do anything uh, last year. It was all virtual. And right. uh, I thought it was a sign because I look at the circular from my local uh, market every mm-hmm. week. Uh, and potatoes were on sale, Idaho potatoes for $2. And I was like, and breadcrumbs were also on sale. And I was like, those are literally the only two ingredients in lakas. You're being so Jewish right now talking about the prices. (laughs) Well, you know, that's another thing. I'm very into some prices and saving money. I don't know. I I know you are. I guess that's very Jewish of me as well. I mean, that's a stereotype. I know, but sometimes, yeah. As I used to say, my favorite stereotype was Sony because I used to have a Sony, but now that joke is dated because people don't have stereos anymore. (laughs) But yes, I love saving money. Actually, as you know, uh, we were supposed to get a new couch today from Raymore and Flanagan. And when we bought it last two weeks ago, we already booked today for it to be delivered and we hadn't heard. And uh, I assumed it was still coming. I called them today and they're like, oh, it's not being delivered today. It's not even in our warehouse until Monday. So there's no way it could be delivered today. And I'm like, but I have a thing that said it. Well, anyway, I, I was the first thing I thought was, well, can you at least refund us some of the uh-huh. money? And uh, they were, they gave us back half of our delivery fee. So that's $87 back. I was like, ka-ching. That's exciting. That's worth waiting another week for the new couch. Yeah. And thankfully, we didn't get rid of the old couch. It was just standing upright in the kitchen because we wanted to make sure we liked the new couch before we said goodbye to the old one. That's fair. It was very sad to say goodbye to a couch. (laughs) I don't know if you watch Bob's Burgers, but there's an episode where they think about getting rid of their couch and then they decide not to. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. If anyone cares, I'm sorry. I should have said that first. 
<laughs> I don't think people are like, how dare he spoil oh Bob Berger's no. episode, which I think you're a, good. A plot that's probably pretty obvious. Uh, so <laughs> anyway, how has your Jewish upbringing affected your life? I think, well, so I already touched on that, how it's like culturally, I think it just impacted me. Um, I love traditions. I love the holidays. You know, it's important to me to to still keep those traditions alive. And especially now that I have a daughter, I want to make sure that she has Judaism in her life too. So I would like her to go to Hebrew school and experience what I did, get bat mitzvahed, have Jewish friends. You know, it's just like a nice thing to have, I think. So I was grateful for my as much as I was like, oh, I don't want to go, you know, I would go Thursdays and Sundays, but I had like a whole different group of friends and it just was nice to feel connected to something and um, preparing for my bat mitzvah too. Like it was, it was good to have that discipline, that young. What do you remember about your bat mitzvah? Oh my gosh. Okay. My bat mitzvah was January 17th, 1998. Oh wow. Um, and I was like an overachiever. So like you really just do the Torah portion and this is a conservative temple. So like we did more than like some other temples do, but um, you do the Torah portion and you do like maybe one, I mean the Haftorah and then you do like one Torah portion, but I did the Haftorah and like all the Torah portions because I was like so into singing then, still am, but like I really enjoyed, you know, reciting from the Torah. I was, so I like, I did the whole darn thing. Um, and then the funny part was, I remember we went on vacation, like leading up to it. So like we went away in December, my promise was January and I was journaling about it and I kept writing, like, I'm so nervous about my BM, like, I hope my BM goes well. And my, my mom was like, are you writing about your bowel movement? Like, what is this? And I was like, no, my bot mitzvah. She's like, just so you know, like BM is also an abbreviation. You know, like the whole thing was like, oh my God, like who's going to come to my BM? Like, <laughs> it's like oh dear. you're on the toilet, you're having a party. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, and it was at the Garden State uh, PNC Bank Art Center. It's called that now, I guess. Oh, that's but huge. it was really fun. Oh yeah, it was a big to do. It was really fun. I think mine was that. Mine was definitely in a hotel. Mm-hmm. I, I I wanted to say Hilton. It might have been the Ramadan. Uh, it was. I don't. I don't remember the date. It was May 1992. Uh, that's that's that sounded like I was on the Goldberg. Speaking of Jewish shows, <laughs> it was summer of 1982. <laughs> but it was uh, it was May 1992. 100% sure that is right. I don't remember the exact date. I think Michelle Newman had her bar mit- bat mitzvah like in the room next to mine and it was way more attended because I was not very popular. Like, I had my friend Eric and my friend Dan and my friend Wee and this guy Charlie who I don't talk to anymore. I still talk to the, the first three. And then it was a lot of friends I met uh, through theater or not really through school. I wasn't really right. friends with anybody Middle school was horrible. I didn't have any friends in junior high or middle school. But wasn't it a lot of your Hebrew school friends would come? Like I didn't have any Hebrew school friends. Oh, okay. I had one, Jordan. I think Jordan came. And then Mm. I don't think I ever saw Jordan again because we graduated from our, we had, it was Peretz school and it was very secular, cultural. Mm. It was just Sundays. Uh, Yeah, so I, I think Jordan... I remember I hung out at his house a few times, but I don't think we we really kept in touch after that. Uh, it was a lot of people I don't like my my parents. Like I think my mom had a friend and uh, another Eric, and they, they all came, but it, it wasn't a huge amount of kids because mm-hmm. uh, I just was not very popular. 
I was not like Glinda, unfortunately. Yeah. Exactly. I knew you were going there, so I went yeah, there course. as well. Can't help I, I was not. I was not popular. I was very nerdy. I was very bullied, like throughout. Aww. Like, oh yeah. I there was one time we had a death threat on my answering machine. It was horrible. Huh. Yeah. So I that's I have a lot of trauma in, in, in those years. Yeah, I can imagine. And then by the time I started high school and I joined drama and chorus, then I you started actually place. Yeah, then I started having friends, but right. you know, we would do our own shows in in like eighth grade, but it would just be like my sh- small circle of friends. Right. Yeah, that was crazy thinking about it. Uh, you no, have like I, Coke and Pepsi, like you do all those like silly games at bar. Oh, and Andy came. Oh, at the bar mitzvah. Yeah, Coke and Pepsi. That was a really fun game that I, we all played. I, we hired we were, like, the, socks. I think the DJ was Christy something. And my friend Dan used her and I thought she was really good. So we, I know we played the limbo. Mm -hmm. I know I was raised on a chair. Did you have a theme? Yes, my theme theme was music. Oh, mine was SNL, which is so random because it's not even like that I'm that big of a fan, but it was like Will Ferrell um, season, like that cast. Oh, yeah, because you're younger um, than I am. Yeah. I wasn't watching SNL at 13. I guess that was on past my bedtime. (laughs) <laughs> no, I had music notes. Unsurprisingly, everything was music notes, like a treble mm-hmm. clef, a bass clef, notes everywhere. Right. Typical, typical set. It, it was right. fun. It wasn't, you know, there were, it just wasn't a lot of people from my high school, but uh, there was, you know, a handful of, of younger people. And then like uh, family friends and their kids. So, I mean, then my parents... Uh, are close to a couple of people they met through the Perrette school. And mm-hmm. so uh, all their kids were there. And I wouldn't, uh, they were more like siblings than friends. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah, like family friends. But we used to do like, you know, New Year's Eve every year together. Mm-hmm. So like they were people I was obligated to see. Like, <laughs> I think I'm probably Facebook friends with most of them, but I don't really keep in touch with them. Right. And I sometimes every so often hear about them from my mom who is relating something. Mm-hmm. Sounds about right. Yeah, but I did throw my father a surprise 72nd birthday party uh, this year on Zoom. And we got like 60 people to come. And oh my gosh. I, I was so overwhelming. I, I guess he was very popular, unlike <laughs> me. But like I got one of his coworkers and then she invited 10 others and they were all so excited to see him. Uh-huh. And he was not expecting it because it wasn't like a big number or anything i got all his high school and college friends to get in touch with each other i didn't expect it to be so crazy and then my father tried to take over he was like all right what we're gonna do is everyone's gonna say a memory about me and i was like yes that's exactly what i had planned to happen (laughs) and i said first we have to do the um the slideshow so i made a slideshow uh to feeling groovy was my sister's i apparently that is the song that my parents walked into for my sister's wedding was feeling groovy. Uh, yeah, Simon and Garfunkel. I walked to Sunrise Sunset. <laughs> oh, well, I believe it. I believe <laughs> yeah. it. Memories. Uh, yeah, so that was super fun. Uh, anyway, that was all. Uh, it was a good, it was a good bar mitzvah. I watched the video uh, a while ago when Emmy came over to my parents. We watched the video and my speech was still very funny. I was trying to find my video. Like I have it somewhere in the house. Obviously it's a VHS tape. Yeah. I'd have to get it converted, but I haven't watched that in so long, but it was just so nice just to see like my family back, you know, my grandmother is 
no longer alive. So it would just be nice to see both of my grandmothers. And yeah, I hear I you on that. I've actually been dreaming about my grandmother the last three nights in a row. And last yeah. night she was like, why do you keep dreaming about me? It's okay. Let oh. me go. <laughs> She's probably really saying that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's possible. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I so uh, you mentioned your marriage. So how important was it that you marry a Jew? Was that something you were very strict about with dating or it was just a lucky happenstance? All right, so I always thought about it. Like I talked about this in my cabaret too, but um, I came to my grandmother's house to visit one Sunday and I, t- I was so excited to tell her that I had a new boyfriend. And she's like, what's his name? And I said, his, it was like, a, I don't say his name, but it was like a very Italian sounding name. And she's like, he's not Jewish. Like, I'm like, grandma, I'm like 10 years old. Like, you think I'm really going to marry this guy? But like, that was like the first reaction to my first boyfriend. So like, that was the first experience I had with like a non-Jewish boyfriend. And that was the reaction. So it definitely did, you know, um, stick with me. Um, I did date nons and Jews throughout my dating history. Um, but I think I always knew in the back of my head, I was going to end up with a Jew. Like it just felt like it would be meant to be. Um, I didn't meet Rand until I was 29, but when we met, Bashir, he was, he's my person. Yeah. And it's like, it was just, everything is just a little bit easier. Like, yeah, I could have made it work with a non-Jew, but it's just like, aside from the religious stuff, there's just some cultural quirky things that like, he just would understand like that our families are similar about, like, it's just things that like, it feels comfortable, you know? Um, and like our religion could be a little bit weird to some people. Like if you don't know what, like if I brought a non-Jew to temple and they saw like davening and they might be like, what the hell is it? You know, like it's just, and the yarmulkes and the talis, like it could be a little bit um, foreign to some. So it was just nice that he just understands it all, you know? Well, I hear you on that because uh, I remember my grandmother used to tell a story that when I was like five, I mentioned this girl down the street named Jill. And I was like, I can't marry her because she's not Jewish. <laughs> and my grandmother would always tell this story. And then years later in therapy, I was like, oh, wow. I was really like brainwashed against marrying yeah. a non-Jew from a very early age. Exactly. But I ended up with a non-Jew. So, but you know, Japanese and Jewish are pretty similar in a lot of ways, though not in the davening, there's no davening. Right, exactly. In, in Japan. But I don't know, I think that, you know, it was in the back of my mind, but I think at some point I had to let go of that. And yeah. actually the, the Jewish women I would date, none of them really wanted to be with an artist. They're just yeah. too American and capitalist. Like you wouldn't didn't want to be with the artist you were dating, not to bring <laughs> him up, but like, you know, it's like, Jews are used to certain level of, of living, I guess. They don't, or their mothers are. I don't know. Well, well, so yeah, it's, it's like my brother's dealing with this right now and dating, like he's dating, I'm sorry to say, it, but it's Japs. It's Jewish American princesses. I'm Jewish, so I, maybe I'm allowed to say that. But, it, you know, they have certain expectations and his career isn't exactly where he'd want it to be at this age. And it's like, you know, it's it's hard for him to like keep up with these girls who have such expectations. So we're like telling him, marry Nanju, come on. Like, we don't care. <laughs> Just like, yeah, find I, a nice person who really loves you. Like, that's what matters the most, you know? You, so. you have to let go of that. You know, it, mm-hmm. it took me until after my grandmother passed away. It still took me a year before I finally was like, I mean, I dated plenty of non-Jews, but like, there was always this question in the back of my mind. And I remember my father, uh, one girlfriend I brought home for Thanksgiving, and she was Jewish on the wrong side. Like her father was Jewish, but her mom wasn't. Oh, yeah, the wrong side. Like in college, I dated a girl whose mother was Jewish, but her father wasn't. And that was acceptable. 
But when it was switched, I got to talk from my grandfather and he's like, uh, we went through so much in our lives. And it was just like, really? Like right. it, that she's still half Jewish. And that was not, it was just the wrong side. And then I was like, this is just arbitrary. And that just kind of soured me on the whole thing. Mm. I hear you. But it is what it is. It is what it is. It's like my my mom's side, they, they were more atheist, more, you know, secular. Mm -hmm. uh, so they they didn't care. But like, you know, it's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of pressure. And I understand. But, you know, I have one friend who married. Uh, she's not Jewish, but she I, I won't give too many details, but people won't figure it out. It's okay. But she <laughs> married someone in her uh, correct culture and mm. it kind of ruined her life. Like yeah. she ended up getting divorced five years later and she's like, I, she did it because her sister, her older sister had married someone outside of their faith. And it was just such a huge, horrible thing for the family. And now yeah. of course it's okay. It's been years, 10, right. you know, 15, 20 years later, it's fine. But, you know, she let her parents kind of make that decision for her and right. she still regrets it. And that's been, mm -hmm. you know, almost 10 years since that, too. But yeah, it's hard to let go. I think that's something you learn in therapy, too. Yeah. I, by, around the time you're 25, you just can't blame your parents for things anymore. It's true. You got to take accountability. And it's do like what at you, some yeah. point you just say, OK, I'm my own person. It's time yeah. to to move past <laughs> which is tough to do honestly all right so yeah. what is it like being jewish today as opposed to like maybe you know in the past um you know i guess it seems like our generation is becoming less religious it just seems like you know synagogues are really trying to recruit members and it's like really hard for them it just it seems like throughout the generations it's kind of like diminishing and so i feel a little bit bad about that and you know I, that's why it's important to me to like keep it going for Daniela because I want her to know that she's Jewish and kind of have some of those positive experiences. Cause it does feel like it's not as, it's more cultural now and much less religious. I mean, I'm not talking about the Orthodox community, obviously right. very, very religious, but like within outside of the Orthodox community. Um, yeah. There's a lot of people interfaith marrying. Mm -hmm. uh, Daniela, by the way, sounds Italian. <laughs> well, I know actually it's also, it's um, Spanish origin, but I just loved, I mean, so her name is actually, my grandmother, D, is uh, Deborah. And so in Judaism, you take the first initial of yes. um, someone who's deceased, a name after them. So she, we call her Danny. I mean, sometimes I, I don't know why sometimes I call her the formal Daniela. Like maybe when she gets to college, she'll be Daniela, but she's really Danny to us. So no, no, no I just found it's funny because you were saying, you know, your your boyfriend with the non-Jewish name, he could have been Jewish nowadays. <laughs> yeah. You, you, people aren't naming their kids Shmuel right. or, or Ruth or anything. Well, that's true. That's also how things have changed. Like it's not, you know, it's not obvious that we're Jewish. That's true. Well, that's good segue to my the nose, next question. Yeah. I was actually just talking to a friend who is not white and mm -hmm. she was saying that Jews still have white privilege because we're, we're white. I agree. I think that's true. Yeah. So I've, I've thought about this, um, you know, despite what Jews went through, which was horrific. I don't think there's any system issues that they're still struggling with to this day. Like there's nothing within our system that's holding us back. Um, and also, if you look at me, you don't know I'm Jewish. 
And so someone could be anti-Semitic, but they don't know I'm Jewish. I mean, I don't think my nose is that big. So <laughs> I'm, oh my God, I'm being so, I'm like talking about all the Jewish stereotypes. I've already hit Jap, cheapness, <laughs> and the nose. Okay? You're so allowed, like, you know, Seinfeld says you can be Jewish for the jokes. You can, you can <laughs> exactly. mention all the stereotypes if you are Jewish, right? That gives you kind right. of the but get I have, out but of you free card. Yeah. But to your question, I, I do have white privilege. I do still think I, just because I'm Jewish and, you know, we've been marginalized in the past and specifically in my family has been marginalized in the past. I still do. I agree with that, that you can't look at me and say I'm Jewish. And so I can hide from that. Whereas someone who is not white cannot hide from that. And so. Right. Well, it depends if you're, you know, wearing a yarmulke, if you're not religious. That's true, actually. But like, I think when I had my quarantine beard, I think I looked fairly Jewish. I mean, I. <laughs> I guarantee I was sitting in Bryan Park uh, the other week and the Jewmobile people came over and were like, are you Jewish? And I, I had to lie and say no, because I didn't want them touching me because I mm -hmm. was like, it's still a pandemic. You know, right. you're not putting these used talus on me and praying around me. So sure. I, I felt bad lying, but I was also on the phone. So I was just like, oh, <laughs> uh, no, no. Not nope. Jewish, not me. Just, just a long beard, sorry. It's <laughs> okay. just, you know, I have the mask on. You can't see, you can't see. But yeah, no, it, it's true, I think, uh, for us. But like, like when I go to the Actors Temple, you know, speaking of an aging congregation, everyone there mm -hmm. is like 70 or up. Uh, but when I would do like the Hanukkah Shabbat or whatever, uh, we would do some cabarets there, which were super fun. But they have a cop there. It's still, it's not Europe. Like you go to Europe, uh, I couldn't go in, um, it was Brussels. I couldn't go into the temple because mm -hmm. it's completely locked down. So I understood her point, but mm -hmm. if you're gonna go to a synagogue, like when I visited the synagogue in uh, Marrakesh, Morocco, mm -hmm. I felt really kind of nervous about it, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, especially in Morocco, being white, it's, it's really kind of scary. But I think what she's saying is not that you don't have, you're not ever going to be exposed to anti-Semitism, but I am still aware that we do still have white privilege. Like you could have white privilege, but also, you know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's Yeah, it's I'm not, not, I don't actually disagree with you. I'm just trying to take mm -hmm. a little bit of a devil's advocate sure, so we yeah. can have a conversation about it yeah. rather than being, you know, I, I understand this whole woke thing and I don't, I don't disagree with uh, with what they're saying. I tend mm -hmm. to disagree with how they say it, but mm -hmm. you know, I, I, I do understand we, we can walk down the street and be white. I, we talked right. about that uh, yep. in my talk show episode last season about racism. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's like, I feel like I understand what it's like to be marginalized because mm -hmm. I, I, my family has been, of course, where we grew up was very Jewish. Yeah. So like, I think like a third to a half of my school was Jewish. So uh, See, I had a, a school where I was like one of two Jewish kids. Oh, really? In my, in my little silver public school. Yeah. Oh, my I didn't would, realize like, bring that. for the class. And I was even, like one of two Jewish kids. Well, see, I just yeah. assumed since you were from New Jersey, because where I went to school, mm. uh, I think Christians were in the minority. It was mostly Jews, Asians and Indians. Because we well, were that's rated, what happened when I went to Rani. Yeah, when yeah. I went to Rani, then it became more multicultural. We were the yeah. rated the best high school in the state. So um, that's a magnet for for high achieving cultures, I guess. Mm -hmm. That's a PC way of putting it. <laughs> yeah. High achieving cultures. Uh, yes, so have you ever personally experienced anti-Semitism then? You know what it is? Like, um, I wouldn't say, I might be blocking it out, but 
the only instance I can think of, and I wouldn't say it's like anti-Semitic. It was more of the same topic around dating outside of your religion. Like I dated this Irish Catholic guy in college and you always think about like how my family would feel, but I never thought about how other families would feel about me being Jewish. And his sister made some comment like, oh, we're going to have Easter. She's not going to know what ham is. Or like, you know, she was feeling like she didn't want her brother to marry a Jewish girl. Like, and I, you know, that's fine. I get it. But like, I guess that was the first time I ever realized like, oh, this goes both ways. It's not just my family wanting me to find a Jew. Like they don't necessarily want to be with me either. Like, you know, so. Yeah, it's true. It's, it's a weird kind of thing, I think. Uh, I actually, one time that I experienced like the stereotype was from a fellow Jew because I was uh, hitting up all my college friends to invest in my musical off Broadway. Uh, and one of them was like, why don't you just get your parents to invest money? And I was like, cause my parents are middle-class and retired and living off pensions. And he's yeah. like, oh, I just assumed your parents had money cause you went to MIT and he went to MIT. Like almost everyone I know at MIT, yes, their parents did have money, but mm -hmm. I was not one of them. And we were paying back, you know, loans to my loans, mom, yeah. uncle was really nice and lent my parents most of the money for tuition. And my dad paid it back interest free. And that's the only reason I got to go to MIT, even yeah. though I never really got along with, he's called my great uncle. I never thought he was that great, but I, I did <laughs> play him in chess. I think I, I beat him in chess once and I that was enough for him to go. Seth should go to MIT if he can be yeah. in chess. Yeah. Yeah, so I that's the that. only reason I went there. Uh, you know, my parents wanted me to go to Rutgers on a full scholarship and oh. they said they'd buy me a car. They tried to bribe me. And, but once I went to MIT, I was surrounded by smart people yeah. and weird people. And I was like, this is where I belong because uh -huh. I'm weird and nerdy. And, and smart. <laughs> yeah, and smart. This is. These are my people and uh, I I thrived, you know, there, even though, you know, my mom would still be like, why don't you work at Google? Like my friend's yeah. son who also went to MIT, like that, yeah. that's like what she had. And it's like, reminds me of this, this is us episode from a few weeks ago where uh, Beth had to get rid of her preconceived notions of what her daughter's life would yes. look like. Yeah. And I didn't realize that was a thing until I watched that This Is Us Aww. episode. But I think, yeah. you know, it took my my mom a while to accept that I I chose this artistic career. Yeah. And that, there's a privilege there too, that I was, I'm privileged enough that I had, you know, I was able to, to yes. do this. Right. If my That's great true. uncle hadn't, you know, given us money, well, I guess I would have gone to a cheaper college, but. Mm -hmm. uh, who knows? Who knows? Right. So anyway, well, would you recommend other people convert to Judaism? I mean, I don't think. I mean, no, I don't think. I like that we're small. Like, I, I kind of <laughs> like. It's like it's fine. Like, it's I like, like a word. little niche club. Yes, yeah, so, and you know, it's. I almost feel like so much of it is the traditions and the history and the you know, like the where your families come from. That it's like sure you could convert, but you wouldn't have that, you know, gravitas. Yes, exactly. Thank you. So I'm cool yeah, with it. Yeah, I, I agree with that. <laughs> I, I don't understand, you know, the people who make their partners convert. I'm like, mm -hmm. well, what, what's the point? Like, you're you're going to have the same life together regardless. Right. If you're not, like, raised in it, it, it doesn't have meaning to you. 
I really do think it's changed that like what we were saying before, like I really think our generation is just less religious. Like I think in the past, it probably would have been a big deal. Like you would have to go study the, you know, to get a bat mitzvah. Like I know someone whose mother converted back in the day and it's like, they had to do a lot in order to convert. That's you know, a, a lot to do deal. for love. Like, I don't know that um, I, I would ever convert for anybody, but it's like, you know, uh, with the Muppets, like I was raised in the Muppets. So I have this whole nostalgia for them and my right. fiance like she appreciates the Muppets and she'll watch them but she doesn't have this added level of oh it's it's my childhood exactly but and that's has, it's the same thing yeah, yeah she has it with those uh Ghibli Ghibli movies do you know that no. Ghibli Ghibli like Spirited Away uh we've been watching those on HBO Max they have the whole huh. it's like Disney of Japan Cool. But it's it's weirder. It's much weirder. Like uh my my neighbor Totoro. Totoro, 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 Totoro. That's <laughs> like uh it was on the list of the top ten movies to watch with your kids. And I was uh -huh. like, I don't know this movie. So I would recommend that when when Danny is a little older. Uh okay. it's on HBO Max. It's a but they're weirder than the American Disney. The Disney stuff is all you know, happy ever after. and Not really, though. Every single Disney the, movie has, like, such sad... Think about it. Bambi's mom dies. Like, well, that's know, every, everyone's, like, Scar is scary and, you know, Simba loses his father. I mean, every single one has a death. It's like, if you really think about it, it's not that happy. It's pretty traumatizing. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, at the beginning, it's traumatizing. And then they... They, they well, all. the older yeah, ones, they usually, ever after, yeah. usually they find their princes, I, the true. old ones, yes. not, the newer ones, not so much, Frozen, not, mm -hmm. not as much, Right. also goes off, spoiler alert, and lives in, <laughs> in the, into the unknown, and finds her, her people, yeah, so I mean, it's, I think there's changing, but yeah, anyway, those are really fun movies, and I, I recommend that. Oh. Uh, all right, so I think that was all my questions. And uh, all right. uh, so now we're going to get to our closing questions as we wrap up this season of this podcast. Uh, so Eileen, what is a time a millennial annoyed you? Oh my gosh. Okay, so um, I've been, I actually just hit my 13 year anniversary with Sirius XM yesterday. Yay. So, yeah. And don't I call it serious because she's serious about putting in an XM. <laughs> you love puns, so do yes. I. Yes, well, that's where um, I met Mindy Kaling. Remember that time? Oh, that's right. I totally we, forgot about we that. We were having lunch, and you were like, "Mindy Kaling's in the building. If you wait here, she'll come out." And she did. Yeah, I, that's what I miss about being in the office. We don't get to see celebrities anymore. But um, so I'm I have a team now. Uh, I'm like a I'm a senior manager, and um, there was a millennial who worked for me, and like he was only working for me for a year, and he already wanted to be promoted. What's next? What's next? What's, it was just like dude, you have to earn your time here. Like when I was your age, when I was 22, like I, you know, I put my work in, I started out as a staff accountant. I, you know, I did some of the things that not everyone wants to do. Some of the really manual work and the Excel spreadsheets and you, know, you can't just get to the next level that quickly. And it was just such a typical millennial mindset of like next, 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 like, or what it's more of like, um, they just expect it. It's just expected like that. Everything's going to move so fast. I don't know. You, you have to earn it. <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah, that was frustrating. Oh, yeah, especially with this year with the pandemic. It's like everything I was working towards in the last 20 years is like, halt. Yes, it takes like, time. <laughs> it's like now things are hopefully going to pick up a little bit more and I can get back to everything. But 
you know, the good news is I can still do the podcast on Zoom, but I did have, you know, as I'm sure all the listeners know by now, I had three brave people come to my apartment <laughs> and it was like, what are you doing there? Like the sound quality is better. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, the sound quality sure. is better if it's not going through Zoom. Uh, but, you know, I think all the listeners understand that it's, it's, we're still Zooming a lot. Right. Uh, but yeah, I, I agree. It's like you have to, to work on things and the, it's, there's a process and I hate process, but I acknowledge there is a process. Exactly. It's a very long time to get where you want to be. Right. Okay. So just... what advice would you give yourself 10 years ago? All right. So I have a quote here that I like live by now. Um, and I, I wish... love how prepared you are. Oh that's yeah. A, like, that's a Jewish on. thing too. But I'm also an accountant. So, like, you yes. know. <laughs> all right. So I don't even know how to say that. It's it's a quote from Rainer Maria Rilke. Like, I don't know. Okay. Oh, Rilke? Rilke? Yeah. From German, you know, the poet Rilke? Oh, how weird is that? That it's I, German. Or is that it's a different like, person? I'm not sure. Because Rilke has a really good book, uh, uh, Letters to an Artist. Let me look it up. Type, 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 type. Yeah, it's the same Rilke. Yeah, Letters to a Young Poet. Is that what yeah, Letters about? to a Young Poet. Yeah. Well, here's the quote that I love. He's a deep be, thinker. Be patient toward all that is unsolved in your heart and try to love the questions themselves, like locked rooms and, lo and like books that are now written in a very foreign tongue. Do not now seek the answers, which cannot be given to you because you would not be able to live them. And the point is to live everything. Live the questions now. Perhaps you will then gradually, without noticing it, live along some distant day into the answer. So it's like, stop trying to figure, I'm always, and I'm still doing this. Like I have one daughter, like, should we have two kids? Are we gonna, are we gonna move to the suburb? Like, I'm always on the next step. It's like, just be in the moment, live the answer, like live your way to the answers. Isn't that like, are you teary-eyed? I'm not teary-eyed. No. Oh, I thought you were teary-eyed. I was like, oh, I gotcha. <laughs> no, I have a little bit of allergies now that it's getting warm. So my eyes I thought my quote moved you. <laughs> yes, I'm so moved by your quote. Oh my quote. God, that was just so beautiful. That was the most beautiful quote I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> no, but for me, I'm always 10 steps ahead. And I, me too. I have a hard time being in the moment. And it's me like, you too. should just be grateful for what's happening. I mean, it's kind of hard to be grateful for a <laughs> pandemic year, but like still, there's so much that I'm grateful for this past year and it's like just live your life stop worrying about what's going to happen what's going to happen what's going to happen and had I listened to that 10 years ago I would have known like back then my obsession was will I find the one right like yeah, now it's like when, have lunch yeah. with Carrie or dinner and yes. we would write questions yes <laughs> I think we finally have a yes to all the questions we asked 10 years ago yes like, will, it was I like will love quirks be off Broadway yeah will we all find our person yeah and we have yeah, there was a lot of times when only two out of three of us was dating someone. Yeah. So that, that's what I would say. Just just live it. Stop wondering. Yeah. What's the use of wondering? Yes. What's the use of wondering? <laughs> well, that is a lovely advice to end the season on. So that is that is great advice. I will have to keep remembering that. Yeah, I try to focus. You know, like I have a lot of other things happening today, but this time I was like, Let's just enjoy my time with Eileen. And I'm excited we're going to hang out in person again, which is going to be weird, but cool. And that'll That's, be lovely. I'm excited too. 
Woo-hoo. Woo! Yes, hug. Are we going to hug? too far to the <laughs> suburbs. I get really sad when people move too far away. No, we're not ready. We're just not there yet. So it's like, yeah, we're very happy where we are. Yes. Well, you heard it here, everyone. Live in the moment. Uh, enjoy listening to the podcast. If you missed any of this season or last season or the first season, all three seasons are available wherever you listen to this one. 39 episodes. That's wow. That's a lot. Mazel. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I, I'm impressed with myself as I usually am. Uh, well, thank you all for listening. Thank you, Eileen, for being here. Thank you. This was super, super fun. I love your pink outfit. I'm sorry no one gets to see it. It's actually ombre. It's oh. pink, white, and yellow. Whoa. Oh, wow. I could yeah. only see the top of it. I know. I've gotten a lot of compliments on today, and I had to tell my coworkers, like, it's actually three colors. Ooh, tri-colored shirt. All yeah. right, so let's all try coloring a shirt. No, it doesn't work. doesn't work. That's no. not, abort, abort pun, not going to work. <laughs> Stop trying to end season on a pun and just enjoy the moment. Yes. All right, so thank you all for listening. This has been so much fun. Uh, and we'll see if I get renewed for season four. And by that, I mean I have no idea what I'm doing next year, or if I have 13 more friends, because I've already talked to 39 of them. I'm running out of people to wow. ask them. How was I so late? That's rude. Oh, I'm <laughs> sorry. I'm your 40th friend. <laughs> now I'm insulted. I don't know. Look at the seasons all have like, you know, themes Specific and themes. stuff. Okay. It's all right. There's still plenty of friends who haven't been on yet, but a lot of them also said no. I asked a few people and they keep declining. So maybe uh, by next year, they'll be ready. Yeah. Uh, all right. So uh, I'll be back. Hopefully you'll hear me next season right here. Uh, Millennials are ruining the world, question mark, an exennial perspective, real conversations, bridging the gap between generations X and Y. I'm not woke, but I'm awake. Millennials are ruining the world, an exennial perspective.